Hewler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. Charged up on a Friday inside the electric factory. It's Euler and Moats. High noon. That can only mean one thing. It's time to go inside the electric factory for the next two hours here on SNR. Arthur Moats, Wesley Euler, rocking with you here on the Steelers Blitz. Between the two of us, we've got a decade of NFL experience. We've also got plans to cook some fantastic ribs whenever we get out of here this afternoon. Big facts. Big trust? Oh. Nah, nah, we don't play that around here. Nah, nah, nah. It's a Friday, so you know what that means. We'll be a, you know, we'll be a little off the rails in our own way as we always are on Fridays. We're, we're never some... off the rails. We're always right where we need to be. Well, that's true. Because this is us. This is what we do. <laughs> this is us, and this is Steelers Blitz. We're gonna have some fun on the show today. If you've been rocking with us for the last two weeks, you know what we've been doing. A little classic embracing debate here on the program, settling. Steelers arguments that we all have with our families over holidays, with our friends, maybe over a couple cold soda pops at the bar. Mm. Maybe when you're, you know, out in the gold lot tailgating with Arthur Motes before Steelers games down mm-hmm. on the North Shore. Mm-hmm. We all have these debates, right? Like, who's the greatest running back in Steelers franchise history? Who was the best defense? Oh, who's the best defensive back? Who's the best offensive lineman? Who was the greatest running back? All these things that we argue and debate amongst ourselves, Arthur Motes and I, have been settling them once and for all over the last two weeks. And I guess yesterday would have been the penultimate. But today's the ultimate, Mozi. And we totally missed the opportunity to say penultimate, too, huh? <laughs> well, we can get it in a couple times today. All right. On the good. penultimate show yesterday, <laughs> we talked about greatest defenses in Steelers history. That was a lot of fun. Today, as we kind of round out this two-week-long topic that we've had here, Arthur Motes. Oh, This is the creme de la creme right here. The men who coached those defensive units that we debated yesterday. Mm -hmm. We will talk Steelers head coaches on the program today. I don't want to give anything away. No spoiler alerts. But I think there's three guys that might stand ahead of everybody else. You're right. You're absolutely right. (laughs) So, Arthur Motes, before we get into it, um, you know, I'm thinking about coaches today, obviously. And I just, to, to start us off here, I thought this would be a fun conversation for you personally, and I want to take the NFL level out of it, okay? Okay, now you got me intrigued. Let's go. Because I don't want you to be able to say Mike Tomlin, or maybe I'll just take Mike Tomlin out of it. Oh, wow. That's what we're doing today? Arthur Motes, you've had a long football wow. career from Jeez. the amateur level at high school, you know, okay. where you were just a freshman star on the varsity football mm-hmm, team for mm-hmm. four years, baby. Okay. JMU. Dukes. Mr. Dukes himself. You mm-hmm. go back to campus. You go back to the weight room, I believe it is there, right, at James yeah, Madison? The, the strength and conditioning facility. The strength and conditioning. Because don't, you're right, because it, we don't, we don't sell yeah. them short with just weight nah, rooms anymore. Nah. Any, anybody goes to a weight room. You go to LA Fitness, that's a weight room. <laughs> you, go, you go to Planet Fitness, that's a weight room. Nah, nah, nah. We have a strength and conditioning facility. And it's named after the man sitting across from me right here. And, of course, a decade in the National Football League. So, again, I don't want to make this easy on you. So I'm taking Mike Tomlin out of the equation. Okay. But other than Mike Tomlin, tell me about one or two of the favorite coaches Arthur Motes ever had here on head coach day on the program. And I should say it doesn't necessarily Uh, have to be a head coach. Well, that's the issue, man. Uh, 
when you play as long as I've played, just through my life, man, you come in, you come across some amazing coaches, man. You build amazing relationships with them. I mean, me and my high school coach, we're still very close as well. Um, but when we're talking about favorite coaches that I've played under, this is excluding uh, Coach Tomlin as a head coach. <sighs> man, I feel like – all right, I'm going to just take Pittsburgh out of it. Okay, yeah. Because so yeah, that, yeah, that, that would make it too easy. Like, right, right. And I, I can name, like, every coach up there because of the relationships that we had and stuff like that. But for me, man, uh, it would be my – College position coach, okay. J.C. Price, played at Virginia Tech, was All-American there, was a third-round pick for the Arizona Cardinals. He really helped me develop at the collegiate level, going from just being an athlete to actually understand how to play the game. Hmm. I mean, because when you first come into college, out of high school, I mean, nobody You're could wrong. block me. I, I mean, yeah. just the athletic ability I had, the speed, I could just run by whoever I wanted to. I could do a move if I wanted to, but I figured that was a waste of time. Then when I got to college and – you know, going through that whole training camp process, even though I came up early and everything. So I already knew, like, physically I was up there with the guys, able to, you know, compete and hold my own and stuff. But just mentally, I wasn't on the same page yet in terms of understanding how to formulate a move, understanding how to have a rush plan, understanding how certain calls you're able to do certain rushes, whereas other calls you can't do that rush because you're going to jeopardize the, the integrity of the defense. Take yourself out of the play Absolutely. And, and leave a teammate hanging out the drive. Absolutely. So he helped me grow in that regard. And the thing that I, that I valued the most was, even though we had a good personal relationship, similar to what me and Coach Tomlin have, just like Coach Tomlin, he didn't have an issue getting on me. <laughs> he didn't have an issue making sure that if I stepped out of line, that he was going to make sure that he – uh Help me correct my uh, my behavior, both sure. physically and mentally. Sure. So tough you know, love. Sometimes. Absolutely, man. You need it. You need it, and especially as my career progressed at the collegiate level, because I started to have a lot of success early, and then it blew up. Obviously, my junior and senior year sure. to levels that I couldn't even imagine. So with that, he was always that calming force to keep me to show up every day with the same type of work ethic, the same type of mentality, the same thought process of, man, I don't care if you had 10 tackles, two and a half sacks, a forced fumble, and a tip pass that was picked. You ain't do enough. You should have had five sacks. You should have had 15 tackles. Like, And that's it, great that you did that last week. Yeah, but what, but what about this week? week? Yeah. I mean, dude, it was <laughs> – my boys laugh with me to this day. And even, even this coach I'm talking about, we laugh about it to this day because obviously my senior year, for those that don't know, I was the National Defensive Player of the Year, the Buck Buchanan Award winner. It's – the equivalent of winning the Heisman Trophy Correct. at the 1AA level. So, mind you now, I'm going on a tear all season. I mean, I don't have a game where I have under 10 tackles. I don't have a game where I don't have at least a sack and a half. I don't have a game where I don't have a tackle for a loss. I had set the record at the time for tackles for a loss in a season. I had 23 and a half, so Ooh. it was crazy. So, mind you, like, crazy productive. That's like, that's two every game, essentially. Yeah, yeah, I mean, what, you play 12 games? Yeah. That's almost easily, two a man. game. Well, no, about. not even 12. We played 10 because we didn't make the playoffs. That was the only okay. year we didn't make the playoffs. Wow. So, I did it all in the regular season because the year before, I had crazy numbers as well, but I was like, three of them games were in the playoffs, so I never really counted it the same. For me, I always count just regular season. I don't count playoffs because sure. not everybody gets to go. Sure. But – Throughout this year, now, like I said, I'm kicking butt. I'm, I'm on a tear. And it probably would have been the third game of the season. I'm coming off of, you know, what, three games. I'm sitting at probably like four sacks, uh, probably seven, eight tackles for loss easily at that time, a ton of tackles, just beat one of our big rivals. My coach comes to me, and I'm going to my classroom, on the, uh, like when we call it like, the quad area. And he gets on me. He's like, man, you think you're doing something right now, man? I was watching this team. I was watching this game last night. 
It was Texas playing a cat, Sergio Kendall, number two for Texas. Oh, now that's a man. That's a guy that could ball. Before you think you anything, you go watch him play. You tell me about that guy. So now I'm hot, hot, hot. You're like, all right, Sergio. So, so, so then later that day, my head coach actually comes to me with another thing. Man, this cat from South Carolina, this Eric Norwood, he's a problem. That's what a pass rusher looks like. You, you imitating it. That's a real one. So from then on, like, every day in practice, I'm trying to murder my teammates. Every game, I'm trying to murder somebody. Too, oh, course. without a doubt, because, like, from then on, any what, 11 time, years later yeah, now? Yeah, and it's funny because I actually had a chance to meet both of these guys. And I told them did initially. Them? I did. I said, I met them at two separate times, too. So I met one as, awesome. a, as a Walter Camp All-American. They had Fluos out of Connecticut, all the FCS and 1AA, I mean, FCS and, and 1A guys. Sure. So, I mean, this ranges from, like, obviously Tebow, uh, and Dominican Sue at the time, Aaron Hernandez, like he, all these different people are there. Colt and, McCoy, yeah, 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 and then and then of course, Eric Norwood is there. So I'm like, bro, because he was actually super cool, and I'm like, I felt bad. So I'm like, y'all gotta tell you something, sure. bro. He was like, what's good? I was like, man, I ain't gonna lie, my whole single year. I've been dreaming about this moment because I wanted to just tell you how much of a bum you were, <laughs> how I crushed your numbers, how you can't hold my anything, like you're just trash. But now that I mentioned you're actually cool, I want to let you know, like, it's all love. <laughs> it's all good. But, but when I first met, I'm like, I am the whole time just so hot because I'm like, my whole season, everything I did was to make sure my numbers would trash yours. Not just beat yours, trash yours. Like, I didn't want it to be close. My coaches made me hate you, yeah. man. Yeah, and then, and then I ended up meeting Sergio Kendall because obviously he was drafted by the Ravens. In the second round for them, so we're all at the uh, at the rookie symposium. This yep. one, they used to fly out to San Diego. Yep. So we're out there a whole week. And we end up week? a whole week, right? Wow, I didn't know it was that so, long. So, so for me, I'm already looking at him like, oh, that's the cat right there. That's I'm sizing him up. I already didn't check this combine pro day numbers to mine. I'm like, trash. I'm checking his stats compared to mine. Trash. How did he go in the second round? So, this so, is BS. So when we meet, I'm already on one. <laughs> and then once again, of course, he was super cool. And I'm like, I just got to let you know, man. Like, I don't want to be fake, bro. I hated you. I hated you for a whole season, bro. I dreamed of this moment. I couldn't wait to come in here and just put my stats into your stats for and, just, and just let you know you're a whole bum. <laughs> I couldn't help it. But, of course, like I said, he was super cool, man. We laughed about it, <laughs> and everything was good. But then even when we got to the NFL level, it didn't end. I said, I'm going to make sure my career is way longer and way more productive than both of them, and it was because I think Norwood played a couple games, and he ended up being in the CFL, and then Sergio Kendall, obviously, he, had, he had fell out of his apartment, like, cracked his say, head. Yeah, he had cracked his skull, happen, so he ended up missing a year. It came back, but never was the same. Jeez. I think he ended up getting, like, two or three seasons. But for me, I was like, every, anytime I see my coach, now my position coach and my head coach, I always tell him, Sergio Kendall, Eric Norwood, make sure y'all, make sure y'all hit them up, all right? <laughs> y'all want to go to you wanna go to a game? Right go, go, go hit them up for a game. Go hit them up for tickets. Just, just, just throwing that out there. <laughs> Keep that same energy. <laughs> That's a great, dude. That is a great story. I love that. Yeah, man. And does that maybe speak to, and you can tell me if I'm wrong here, but I always feel like the coaching that you get at the collegiate level, and this goes for any sport, not just football, it's like the most impressionable time of your life. Mm -hmm. Because like you said, if you're a guy who plays a college sport, you were probably just kicking butt in high school, mm -hmm. right? I mean, you you didn't have to be the most technically sound. You didn't have to be the most polished. You were just more athletic than the guys that you were lining up against. I feel like a lot of times when guys get to the NFL level, right, and they get their money, a lot of times they can have that you-can't-tell-me-nothing attitude, right? Not just the NFL. I talked about that. I think I've told you this before. 
um, the coach that I worked with when I was working in minor league hockey, mm-hmm. he was with the Buffalo Sabres as, as an assistant for two years. Mm. And he told me I'll never coach at the NHL level again. Yeah. He said, because I'm making $2 million a year. How am I going to tell the guy who's Absolutely. making $7 million a Absolutely. year what to do? Do you do you think that there's something to that that like no, so, a lot of times people remember their coaches in college the most because that's when you're the most impressionable? No, you you definitely hit on a good point there. So when you're talking about the collegiate level being the most impressionable, you're absolutely right. For me, I chose to go away from home. I mean, three and a half hours was the first I had ever been away from my crib in terms of like living and not having my parents under, sure. you know, being under their roof and things like that. Sure. So obviously you you attach yourself to them almost in like a fatherly role because you're around them every day when you're having an issue on campus you're going to them when you're having an issue at practice you're going to them anything that's on your mind you go to them yeah i mean they run your study hall you're in there the meetings you got your pre-game your post-game like everything you're around that guy so for me i think that was huge but then also at the high school level a lot of times the coaches they they don't have necessarily the knowledge of the collegiate coaches or the professional coaches. So for them to try to help you grow much further is always going to be a barrier there in terms of what they're able to do in terms of their knowledge of it. A lot of the high school coaches in our area, they either played and were great athletes, but they only specialized in, say, wide receiver stuff or running back stuff. And then your position coaches at the high school level, I mean, you obviously know it's going to be a drop-off. Sure. So that was that whole dynamic. So – I mean, it was to the point where at high school I could tell my coaches, like, I don't want to work out and lift weights because it makes my legs tired. It makes me feel slow. I'd rather just play different sports, stay in shape, and be more athletic. And because I was producing, they were completely fine with that. At the collegiate level, he's like, nah, you got to work out. You got to get bigger. You got to get stronger. You got to get faster. So that played into it. But when you get to the NFL level, the business element, I think, is what really makes it different. Because like you said, early on in my career where I'm making, uh, I mean, Ricky Minimum, yeah, it is different. It still feels like college where your position coach has more money than you. Right. Then when you start making millions and you're like, oh, I really do got a lot more money than this coach. And they'll get rid of him before they get rid of me. It does change that dynamic a little bit. But at the same time, I just think because at the collegiate level, you know this coach. I mean, traditionally, you know this coach is going to be there four years or more. Sure. He was there before you. He'll more likely be there when you leave. So there's no uncertainty. It's no oh, man, can I get close to this guy or is he going to be gone? Whereas at the NFL level, in Buffalo per se, man, four years, I had, what, three different head coaches? No, excuse me, two different head coaches, two different GMs, uh, three different defensive coordinators, seven or eight different position coaches. So it's like, how Look do you – Browns. Yeah. They have four coaches in the last two years. So, so because, And the thing is, every time they switch coach, they switch their staff as well. So it's like, how do you even build a rapport – and how do you even build that trust with a coach? Which was one of the biggest things that drew me to Pittsburgh. It was like, these guys have been there for years. And even the guys that leave, they're promoting from within. So for me, when I came here four years, I went from Dick LeBeau as my DC and Keith Butler as my position coach to, okay, LeBeau leaves, Butler becomes my DC. Peasy was already the, the, the assistant to uh to Butler. He mm-hmm. was the GA essentially. Mm-hmm. So when they promoted him, it was all in house. So I never had to worry no about voices, a new coach, no new, yeah. a, a new relationship, a new oh well. How does this guy learn? Or how does he teach? How I mean, what's his coaching style? What is this? What is that? It was never any of that. So that's why I valued it so much here, and that's why I think I was still able to get so close with these coaches here because it reminded me of the college vibe where you're with the same guys. Interesting for four years. Yeah. So I like that.
that's the that's the whole that's the Steelers model, right? Absolutely, and, and it pays dividends because when you don't have to go through that phase of learning new people. You learning how I learn, I learn how you learn, you learn how I teach, how we communicate with each other in practice versus how we communicate with each other in the game, how when it's a hostile situation, how you communicate versus how I communicate, um, just personally understanding what pushes each other's buttons. Sure. Like all of that goes into it because I've been with coaches where they might say something and think that that's okay because that's what they're accustomed to, but it offends me. Then I've been with coaches where I've said something to them and it offended them, and I'm like, yo, this is normal. So all of that plays into it as well. And then you get the coaches who don't want to do the extra. Some coaches do want to do the extra. Mm-hmm. Coaches that, okay, I'll do the extra, but it has to be on these type of days because when it's this time, I don't want to get in your way. So everybody has different vibes and stuff like that. So the continuity that the Steelers have – that's what makes them so good. That's why they've been able to have such elongated success because you don't have to deal with that phase over and over and over again. Or if you do, it's only at one spot. It's only one or two position coaches, not a whole staff. Arthur Motes, yesterday when we were talking defenses, I said that I think it's fair to say when you think defense in American sports, the Steelers are the first thing that comes to mind. The Steelers organization synonymous with defense in the scope of American sports. And you know what? I'm going to say that same thing today. I think when you talk about head coaches, it's the same way with the Steelers. They've had three literally since the Beatles have still yeah, been on man. tour. And we're going to talk about those three coaches around the corner. Get those tweets in. Oh, baby. Chuck Noll to Bill Kerr to Mike Tomlin. We're going to discuss. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I thought you said Buddy Parker. You said he wasn't. You said we were name well, I'm a Bill, I'm a Bill Austin guy myself. Okay, personally, I was just checking, you know? man. Hey. <laughs> Walt Keesling guy you myself know what I mean? here. Personally. G- g- give me Burt Bill. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to talk about all these Steelers head coaches, particularly the last three here on the program today. So you know the drill. Questions, comments, concerns, reactions. Find us on Twitter at Wesley Euler at TheBody52. TheBody. Steelers Blitz on a Friday. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Head coach day here on the program. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler, Steelers Blitz on a Friday. All right, Motesy, let's get right into it here. We already got some tweets beforehand i i just want to make sure is this one of those it's not even close conversations again because you know it's never close right it's this person is not even it's always close but (laughs) it's never close i just want to point this out because i think most steelers fans are aware of this but sometimes arthur motes like when we talked about with ben and bradshaw Mm -hmm. it's important to embrace what you got when you got it because no no it ain't you know i think it's that right the counting crows song don't it always seem to go you don't know what you got till it's gone Arthur Motes, 13 head coaches for the Pittsburgh Steelers, all to varying different degrees, some of them only for a few games, some of them only for a year, some of them for a few years, um, some like Buddy Parker for over 100 games. Mm -hmm. But Arthur Motes, 13 head coaches in the Steelers organization before Chuck Knoll took over. Of those 13, you want to guess how many had winning records as the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers? Three. Close, but under. (laughs) What? Two. Whoa. The only two head coaches before Chuck Knoll that had Jeez. above 500 records were Buddy Parker 
He was 51 and 47 okay. as the Steelers head coach. And Jock Sutherland. Wow. He was 13 and 9, that cursed number that us WVU fans never speak. That's it, Arthur Motes. Everybody else was under 500. I should say, too, they were the Pittsburgh Pirates until 1940. Yes, they were. Yes. So, but the, the Pittsburgh professional football team. How many of them were Pittsburgh Steelers? That's the real question. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven before. Uh. Mm. Huh. Mm. Man, <laughs> Arthur Motes. Head coaches that led the Pittsburgh Steelers to the postseason before Chuck Noll got to Pittsburgh. You want to take a guess how many of those guys did that? Two. One. Oh, my gosh. Jock Sutherland, he went to one playoff game, Arthur Motes, and it was a loss. That was it. One playoff game in Steelers history before Chuck Noll came to town. So I just want to make sure people know that, okay, that we have been very fortunate with these last three head coaches since 1969. Mm-hmm. That's insane. Arthur Motes. The Cleveland Browns have had more than that in the last two years. Yeah. Uh, it's just absolutely incredible. When you look at the numbers for these guys as it stands right now, Chuck Knoll, 342 games coached, 193 wins. Each, it's funny. Each of the Knoll, Cower, and Tomlin have one tie during their tenure as head coaches, too. That's regular season games by Chuck Knoll, 342. 24 playoff games, 16-8 and eight in the playoffs was Chuck Knoll, of course, uh, won two separate NFL Coach of the Year awards, 1969 to 1991. He is a pro football Hall of Famer as a head coach and, of course, four Super Bowl titles. Bill Coward, 1992 to 2006, 240 regular season games with a .62% win percentage, 21 Playoff games, 12-9 and nine in the postseason. Bill Cower, of course, the Super Bowl in 2005. Three times, well, I should, he won three separate awards, but two of them were in the same year, right? Yes. So he was NFL Head Coach of the Year and Sporting News Head Coach of the Year in 92, and then Sporting News Coach of the Year in 2004 again. And then the current bench boss, baby, Mike Tomlin, 2007 to present. 192 regular season games, 133 wins, a .65% winning percentage. And this is important, Arthur Motes. The best winning percentage of any Steelers head coach Hey, ever, now. Mike Tomlin in the postseason, 15 games, 8-7, and seven, a Super Bowl title, another Super Bowl appearance and 2008 Motorola NFL Coach of the Year. Arthur Motes. Oh, man. Like mm. yesterday, there are no wrong answers here. But like yesterday, got to split some hairs, right? Um, but if we're talking greatest head coach in Pittsburgh Steelers history, I mean, come on. The only, this is not debate. The only answer here is, say, come on, the only answer here is Chuck Knoll. I mean, I mean, what are we talking about? What, 22, 23 seasons as the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers again a team that had never won a playoff game before he got there a team that had only had I think two or three winning seasons in general before he got there Chuck Knoll exits in 1991 to the tune of a 4-0 and Super Bowl record to the tune of <laughs> 
all these Hall of Famers, man. Mean Joe Green, Terry Bradshaw, Mel Blunt, Franco Harris, Jack Ham, Jack Lambert, Lynn Swan, John Stallworth, Mike Webster, Donnie Shell, Rod Woodson, Dermonte Dawson. Am I forgetting anybody? I don't know. I might have been. Dude, again, if we want to talk X's and O's schematics and some of the stuff that some of these other coaches have done, the game has certainly changed a lot since Chuck Knoll has been involved. But come on, man. He's at the top of the list, right? Yeah. I, I mean, that's not a debate, man. Come on, bro. You trying to have me out here looking crazy saying anything other than that. <laughs> uh, won their first playoff game in 72 with Chuck Knoll at the helm. Uh, again, the Steelers were, <laughs> I mean, like the Cleveland Browns were when Chuck Knoll took over. They were a hapless organization for 40 years. <laughs> I mean, finished first in their division seven times under Chuck Knoll, six AFC championship games, four Super Bowls, in uh, the greatest dynasty, arguably, right, yeah. that the NFL has ever seen. I mean, it certainly was until those stinking Patriots came around, the greatest dynasty oh, wow. that the NFL had ever seen. I think now it's a, it's a two-horse debate, right? But, I mean, dude. To go from where the Steelers were when he got there in 1969 to what the Steelers were when Chuck Noll left in 1991. Arthur Motes, for me, if you're trying to argue anybody else at the top of the list there, you're, you're just crazy. You're wasting your time. You're wasting your time. Yeah, without a doubt. I, I mean, for me, I'm not even about to debate anything at one. I said yeah. the debate is between two and three. Let's Correct. keep it real. Correct. Let's keep it real. <sighs> um, I think this is also, too, you know, we're talking about uh, in the first segment a lot of mentorship stuff. Uh, Chuck Knoll working with the Colts under Don Shula, right? Coached in Super mm -hmm. Bowl three before he came to the Steelers. Um, he got his assistant a start as an assistant with the Chargers, uh, then, then moved on to the Colts working with defensive backs there. Obviously, again, the Super Bowl three appearance where that was the Colts falling short to the Jets and, yeah. and Broadway Joe Namath, right? Hey, man, you got to love Broadway Joe. Hey, Western Pennsylvania, baby. I like it. Cradle of quarterbacks. Namath, Montana, Kelly, oh, yeah. Marino. You name them. <laughs> oh, buddy. I'm probably – I know I'm forgetting something. Montana, Namath, Jim Kelly, uh, Dan Marino. There's one other, I thought. I think there's one other. You said Jim Kelly. I said Jim Kelly because yeah. he's the one that usually gets right, forgotten. Yeah. Hey, caramba. Who are we missing? I know there's somebody that we miss in here. Johnny Unitas. Oh, there we go. Come on, baby. Johnny U. Johnny U. Uh, according to Bob Labriola, the greatest to ever play the game. Mm -hmm. And George, George Blanda as well, too. Who? 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 Six Hall now, of now, Fame quarterbacks. Now, do you agree with that sentiment? That what? Johnny U? Yeah. No, you already know who I think. Come on, babe. Okay. Who, Cordell? Yeah, obviously. Slash. Oh. Put some respect on his name. His name Slash. My Slash. bad. My bad. Slash. You know how I feel about that. We're talking right. If if we talk the on their best day, A plus. Yeah. You, you know my hot take. Yeah. I think Peyton Manning. That's my guy. Okay. But Arthur Motes, uh, 24, if I'm looking here correctly at this list, quarterbacks, pro football quarterbacks in the Hall of Fame. Six of them are from Western Pennsylvania. Gotta love it. That means what? 6, 12, 18. 24, 25% of the quarterbacks in the Hall of Fame are from around the area that we're sitting right now. So if anyone out there is listening and you've got a kid who's playing quarterback and you're outside of Western Pennsylvania, maybe you want to move here, Motsi. <laughs> Might as well, man. It's the quarterback capital, baby. All right. I know we're going to get into some, some real debate here when we start to talk about Kerr and Tomlin. So let's take a break here so we have a full segment to, to kind of reset this. But we both agree. I mean, come on, Chuck Noll, number one. No other answer there. But we'll talk a little Tomlin. We'll talk a little care 
on the other side on a Friday. This is Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. All right, so we agreed Chuck Knoll, number one. I mean, come on. Come on. It's, it's Mr. Knoll. Now's where it really gets difficult here, Motsy. Does it really? Really, really? I mean, it's not even close. <laughs> it's not even close. He says. <laughs> yeah, it's it's Walt Kiesling, right? Number two? Definitely Joe Bach. What about Forrest? Doubts, I think is how he pronounced his last name. Everyone knows. 1933, he coached the Steelers to a 3-6-2 record. Come on, baby. Listen, man. Listen. I'm done playing games with you, all right? It's Jim Leonard. Jim Leonard, 10 games. He was 2-8. What about Aldo Danelli, 1941, 0-5? Listen. You ever heard of Luby? (laughs) DeMolo? He's undefeated in the playoffs. Never lost. (laughs) Never lost. Never lost. How about uh, we go with uh, Mike Nixon here with a career .143 win percentage? That's better than zero. (laughs) Only one way to go from there, and that's up, baby. It's always glass half full. Arthur Motes, man, I I still don't know if I have my answer for who I'm putting number two. If we're just, just complete transparency here, all right? I've been thinking about this since last night and this morning. And I can make a case for either guy. Oh, man. <laughs> Who are you telling? Now, unlike Arthur Motes, I never played for either of these guys, all right? Mm-hmm. So I don't have a horse in the race. But I think people who have listened to this show before, and we've gotten these tweets in the past, people know I'm a big Mike Tomlin guy. I get accused a lot of times. Oh, of I already see what you're doing here Tomlin now. I see what you're doing here. I'm the one who always points out that he's got the best win percentage uh-uh. of any head coach in Steelers I'm going to stop history. you right there, Wes. And I know what you're doing, Wes. where it's been harder stop to win. Stop it, Wes. I know exactly what you're doing here. You're trying to butter up Coach T, and then you're going to say Bill Cowher. That's, what you, that's your go-to. That's your go-to. So go ahead. Just say Bill Cowher and say why. You're not slick. You are not slick at all. Hey, man, I really like Coach Tomlin. I really love what he's been able to do. I'm one of the biggest guys to speak on his behalf, man. I always got love for him, man. He has never had a losing season over 13 years, this and this and this. But, so go ahead, go go ahead and get to the but. <laughs> when we're sp- there is no but. There is, there is no but because usually if you say but, right, then that follows the negative. No, no, no. But I when, got no negative. No, no, no. But your way of saying but is, but when it comes to splitting hairs. When it comes to splitting hairs. That's the but. Here's something that I found that really stuck out to me in my research, Arthur Motes, all right? <laughs> Bill Cowher took over in 1992, correct? We've talked yeah. about this. Mm-hmm. When Bill Cowher took over in 1992, in the last 12 years, you want to guess how many double-digit win seasons the Steelers had before Bill Cowher took over? I'll say three. One. Mm. And it was in 1983. That's the last time... Until Bill Cowher took over in 92 that the Steelers had a double-digit win season. They won some playoff games at the end of Chuck Knoll's tenure. They won a playoff game in 84. They won a playoff game in 89. But they were perennially nine wins, eight wins, six wins, nine wins, seven wins, six wins, eight wins, five wins, nine wins, nine wins, seven wins. Bill Cowher comes in that first year and goes 11-5 and 
and wins NFL Coach of the Year. I hate Whoa, Arthur Motes. So he did it with whose players? I hate, hate, <laughs> H-A-T-E, hate that whole Mike Tomlin did it with Bill Cowher's players. Hey, Cowher did it with whose players? <laughs> well, here's the thing, Arthur Motes. Before Mike Tomlin took, when Mike Tomlin took over the years before he got there, mm-hmm. Steelers won 15 games, Steelers won 11 games. Mm-hmm. Uh, that wasn't quite the case when Bill Cowher took over. All I'm saying is from Chuck Knoll. All I'm saying is Chuck Knoll's last season here. What was his record? Let's check him out. He was his last season here. Seven Chuck Knoll was seven and nine. And then Bill when, Cowher's last season eight eight. here, he was eight and eight. So, so not, eight, exactly. not a huge difference. So so what do you say? What do you say? Before two thousand, <laughs> you're just looking at one year. How about the last three or four years? Their yeah, last year. It's like how much a roster changes in three years, though. True, and that's why I'm with. I am. I have never bought into the Mike Tomlin just did it with Bill Cowher's players. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, look at Mike Tomlin's first couple draft classes. They were exactly. hot home run, yeah. absolute dime. Right? Wasn't it Lawrence Timmons and Lamar Woodley mm-hmm. one and two were his first two picks? Mm-hmm. I mean, are you kidding me? They don't. And win. Will Gay was what? Uh, yeah, fourth, like third, fifth round, fourth or fourth fifth, or fifth round. Yeah. They don't win that Super Bowl against the Cardinals without Lamar Woodley. Yeah. Like, like no doubt. I think for James Harrison too. Mike Tomlin was a big part of the, you know, the kind of the resurgence. Oh, what's the word I'm looking mm-hmm. for here? The the late kind of blossom of James yeah. Harrison. Maybe that that's the way that that I'll put it. I just, again, I don't buy into the oh well. Mike Tomlin he just did it with Bill Cowher's players because then Bill Cowher should have done it more often mm-hmm. than he did. But I think. Again, I think it was a, more of a rebuild job for Bill Cowher. Ah, that's a stretch, bro. <sighs> I don't that's know. A look, stretch. At those, look at those five years, that's three, stretch, four, bro. five years before Bill took over versus those three, four, five years before Mike that's took stretch, over. Now, again, bro. the winning percentage for they Mike. They were still what? Ho, 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 ho. Chuck No, his last three, nine and seven, nine and seven, and then seven and nine. Yeah. So it's not too far off. It was two winning seasons and one bad season. You're right. The the year before Mike Tomlin took, the, okay. they won the Super Bowl and whoa, then whoa, had an 8-8 eight eight season. 8-8 eight eight was the last year of Cal. Right, and then before that, they won the Super Bowl. That's okay. a little different than what I told you. 12 years, they had one double-digit Listen, win man. season under Chuck Knoll's you, last 12 years. You're reaching. It's cool. I'm not you're reaching. reaching. It's, a it's a reach. It's a fact. It's a reach. In, 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 uh, in Bill Cowher's last four seasons, right, Steelers went – had a 15-win season, had an 11-win season. They won one, two, three, four, five playoff games. Oh, that's right. You leave out the 6-10 and 10 that was a part of that four. So, so that no, doesn't no, count. No, that was part of the four. Okay. They still had five playoff wins in his last four years. All I'm saying is they had a 6-10 and 10 and last, an 8-8, and eight, baby. Yeah, Chuck Knowles' last four years, mm-hmm. they had a 5-11 and 11 season. Okay. 9-7, 9-7, 7-9. They won mm-hmm. one playoff game. Okay. That's all. Uh-huh. Again, I'm not with the uh, Mike Tomlin just you, inherited you, a great You say roster. that, but then you say the exact opposite in your argument. No, I'm just yes, saying Bill Cower <laughs> inherited a tougher situation. That's that's debatable. I don't think it's debatable. I think it's debatable. When was the last time the Steelers won the Super Bowl when Bill Cower took over? What? I don't care about that. What do you mean it's you debatable. don't care about that? It's debatable. Once he got in, he drafted his class. He built his roster. He used his staff. So it's debatable. I'm not hearing a, well, because of Cowher. If that's the case, we're going to go down the list and say, well, all right, when McVay took over, he only did it because of Jeff Fisher's guys. When Andy Reid took over in Kansas City, he only did it because the coach did before him. And then, oh, 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 the only reason Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl was because of Chip Kelly's players. Is that what we're going next? Is that what we're about to say next? 
Is that what we're going next? Seriously. You're reaching with that. No, one. that's that's what you're saying. Chip Kelly and his two win season in Philadelphia. Bro. That's the same as what uh, Chuck saying. Bowler, what Bill Cowell was doing. They, they had a playoff. They went to a playoff game and won a game and all this other stuff. That's what I'm hearing from you no. over the last three years. Yeah. That what you hit me with? Yeah, five playoff wins. All right. Five playoff wins. Uh-huh. Chuck okay. had one in his last 12 uh-huh. years. Okay. That's a little bit different there, Mozi. Come on. You, I'm you not got, going with you that. Got to admit I'm not that. going with that. Come on. Mm-mm, I'm not going with that. Bill Cower, three Hall of Famers that he brought to the Steelers organization as it sits right now, because there's, I think, going to be more yeah. added to this, right? Jerome Bettis, Kevin Green, and, and Troy, Troy Polamalu, yeah. right? I'm not forgetting anybody there. Would. Uh, ben Roethlisberger. I was going to say, it depends if you want to throw him in there or not. <laughs> um, I, dude, th- I mean, this is tough. Now, how do you count Kevin Green? He acquired him. I didn't say drafted. I said he brought to the Steelers organization. <laughs> okay. You're reaching, but it's okay. Hey, it's okay. If Joe Hayden, you're goes, reaching. It's if okay. Oh my god. Mike Tomlin brought him to the Steelers organization. Wow. Mike Tomlin brought Joe Hayden wow. to the Steelers organization. <laughs> what? We don't give Mike Tomlin credit. We don't give it's the Steelers cool, credit. Hey, hey, You keep reaching. It's cool, baby. <laughs> we don't give we don't give the Steelers it's credit cool, for man. that great free agent signing. Hey, it's of cool, Joe man. It's cool. We don't talk about that. It's cool. But man, for Mike Tomlin, the regular season win percent thirteen seasons in the National Football League without a losing year, dude. I mean, <laughs> that's insane. I think particularly, I will say this, Motsi. I think the coaching job that Mike Tomlin did last year is one of the best in Pittsburgh Steelers history. To get that team to. And we can argue about week 17. Correct. But to get that team to never give up on the season, dude. I mean, how many other rosters in the NFL would have packed it in four or five weeks into the season? Man, I'm not about to crown Coach Tomlin on an 8-8. Eight and eight. Coach Tomlin better than an 8-8. Eight and eight. I don't care about the players not giving up. That's what they're supposed to do. They're professionals, man. You try to seek comfort. See, I knew you was going to do this. Comfort. I knew you no, was going to do this. No, 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 no. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me go. I knew you were going to do this. I knew you were going to try to big up Coach Tomlin early on, and then you was going to try and just cut him out of the knees and go Bill uh, Cowher. And yeah, now, and now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Cut him at wait the a minute. You're right. You just Julius Caesar'd him. It's cool. But then, but then I said, after you go on your rant about this, then you were going to come back and give him a compliment at the end. Oh, man, that was the finest oh, job I've ever so seen in Steelers history, man. This so is beautiful. You, so you make, you make your argument for your former head coach, Mike Tomlin, <laughs> and why he, because you know Arthur Motes. It's real easy to sit there and throw uh, rocks from your glass house and uh-huh. cut down somebody. You know, you're yeah, just, it's yeah. easy to sit on Twitter and just yeah. tell somebody why they're wrong and you're hey, an that, idiot. Hey, 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 let me troll in so here. So tell me why. I'm just trolling. Don't just, don't just let me troll, troll me. I just want to troll. Why it's, speak, I just want to troll. Listen, don't do, the, don't do the politics thing here, I'm all right? I'm trolling. Don't run negative campaign ads on me. Tell the people about what you're going to do. Well, it's funny you say all this. I'm not even going to lie to you. I go with Cower. <laughs> it's not, hey, look, for me, man, I look at it this way, right? For me, I look at it this way. You this can say. Mouth, he's the ultimate showman, folks. I'll tell you what. So like you said, man, I agree with you. There is no wrong answer between Cower and Tomlin. The thing for me is this, man, when you're talking about the playoff wins, we're talking about the amount of AFC Championship game appearances, even though they're only two seasons apart, Cower has had a lot more success postseason related than a Coach Thomas. So I think that's the biggest difference because hmm. at this level, we're not grading these guys on what they do in the regular season. We talk about you're graded, especially in Pittsburgh. Especially in Pittsburgh. You're graded about what you do in the postseason. And they both have been to two Super Bowls. They both have the exact same record of the Super Bowls. 
So the next best thing is how many times you can see these AFC Championship games. So even though Coward has been there more and has lost more, obviously that's kind of like the LeBron argument. Am I going to hold LeBron right. as a negative because he lost he's in been the AFC Championship right, game like, as opposed to the first round? Correct. Like I'm yeah. not going to do that. So the fact that you're getting there, I have way more respect for that element of it. And that's why even when we're talking about LeBron and they want to use it as a negative. Oh, he's lost. He his, his finals record, man. He's three and six. Like this is crazy. I'm like that means you had to go nine times. That means you were the best team in your conference. Nine years. That's crazy. That's insane. That's crazy. So I'm not going to use that as a negative on him. So for me, that's why when we're talking about the difference, even though Tomlin regular season-wise has been more productive, even though Tomlin has the better winning percentage of all the coaches, even though Tomlin has never had a losing season, for me, it's about the postseason. So that's why I give Coward the nod in that regard, man. But, you know, it's always fun to poke fun at you. But at the same time, man, I just, I'm just i not a fan of when people try to use that argument, like you said, about Coach Simon only doing it with no, Coward's I players. I hate that. When you can make the same argument for Coward doing it with uh, with Chuck Noll's players because both of these guys had crazy success as soon as they took over. Both of them did. So I think yeah. that's the biggest difference between the two right there. Bill Cowher's first year, 92, right? They go 11-5. and five. Yeah. Uh, He wins Coach of the Year, and Barry Foster wins AFC Offensive Player of the Year. You look at the playoff numbers, right? I guess Cowher was there, to this point, too, had played more, you know, 8-7 and seven for Mike Tomlin, 12-9 and nine for Bill Cowher. So there's the- oh, oh, but but I do have one other uh, rebuttal, though. What you got? So I know you talked about Cowher bringing three Hall of Famers. Cowher! But Coach Tomlin developed two of them in the Hall of Famers. Ooh, Hot Big Ben. And? Troy. Mm-hmm. So you can give him a little Kevin Green for three years. Troy's a tough one. You No, it's not. Troy's a tough no, one. No, it's not. Oh, I no, don't know. No, it's not. They, they, they don't win that Super Bowl in 05 without Troy. Okay. But from 07 on, Troy was different. That True. was a total of the Troy. True. Especially Big Ben as well. Now, what are we talking about here? Let's have this here? conversation. Oh, real quick. okay. Now, now you Who, have which this conversation. Defense, besides Troy, which defense, 05 or 08? I'm an 08 guy. Me I too. told you that yesterday, though. Me too. Yeah. 08 was definitely more stacked. Troy was a way better player in 08 than he was in 05, too. Debo. Yeah, Debo. Come on, bro. And Woodley. Coward had Debo. I know. I know. He didn't get the best out of him like that. I know. Even though Debo speaks very highly of Coward. We saw that when he made it to the Hall of Fame. Like, speaks extremely high of Coward. Coward didn't develop him like that. That was Tomlin. It's true. Hmm. 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 So you're saying that so Tomlin's the better player developer? Is that what you're saying? Oh. He Maybe. develops that talent know. better? Hey, you'd be better to speak than that to uh, me. Because uh, I, Well, I, I didn't get a chance to work under uh, Coward's tutelage. That's true. I've so only heard the stories. Unfair evaluation. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be biased because of my experiences. <laughs> but I do know Big Ben is totally different under, under uh, Tomlin's regime in terms yeah. of his success. But the, I think t- the way the Steelers played, it was yeah, completely but, but different, that too. Was I think because that's a testament of, to Tomlin, too, though. True, but that, that they also— went from this run-heavy team to the Killer B era, yeah, lighten it But up. that also happened because of the development of Ben Roethlisberger. Sure. And he don't went from hit, star to superstar, right. yeah. And you can't just hit us with the, well, that's because Ben is that good. No, because there's plenty of other quarterbacks that came in that were talented, they were first-rounders, they were top picks— and they didn't develop like that. When they switched coaches, they didn't develop. In fact, they fizzled out. We've seen it. We see it every year. Dude, the Cleveland Browns have run yeah, through like we five see, of them We see it every year. Decade. So for me, I, I don't want to hear that, oh, he was going to be that good because that's who he was. No, he had to develop into that because he didn't show up year one throwing like that. He didn't show up year two doing that. Let's be real. It was not Patrick Mahomes out of the game. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> All right, power grid, megawatts, electric factory. What say you? We've got some. Uh, we've got some tweets here already. Keep them rolling in. At Wesley Euler at the body fifty two. The body. Should we talk coaches in the division right now? Oh, that's a two horse race. That's a two horse race. Without it, that's a two yeah, horse race. Yeah, and then race. That's over again. I don't <laughs> so know if that's much of a two We just kind of discussed yeah, it. Yeah, right we, we know exactly who this is. <laughs> what are we talking about? We know exactly who the two are. <laughs> Get those tweets in. 60 minutes in the books, 60 minutes Talk to, to go. Coaches in the division. <laughs> you can have a hard time debating between you know third funny? and fourth. All right, Arthur Motes. Most, <laughs> most radio hosts would not admit this, all right? Some people are going to say, shouldn't you know this type of thing? But this is Steelers Nation Radio, and screw those guys. <sighs> I, I'm drawing a blank right now. I can't even remember the name of the new Browns head coach right now. I'm drawing uh, a blank. Zach Taylor. No, that's Bengals. No. You're, oh, you said Browns. Browns oh, yeah. uh, Stefanski. Stefanski. Yeah, yeah. Kevin Stefanski, yeah. right? Mm, out yeah. of Minnesota. Yep, yep. Uh, I knew he was from the Vikings. Yeah. I was just I was drawing a blank on his name because, again, I mean, they change their head coaches like I change shoes. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> it's bad, bro. It's bad. It's, it's been four for Baker now, right? Yeah. He's, he's Baker's fourth head coach. Yeah, because Baker, who did Baker have an Hugh issue? Hugh Jackson. Hugh Jackson. Uh, Greg Williams is the Greg, intern. Uh, wait. Hugh Jackson, Freddie Kitch. So it's no, 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 no. Because he had Hugh Jackson for the first two years. Right. Then they fired him mid, like the middle of the season. Mm-hmm. Greg Williams takes over as intern that's, head coach. That's right. Then it became then Greg Kitchens. Williams last. I mean uh, Kitchens yeah. last year, and now it's Stefanski this year. So yeah, that's been four coaches. Couldn't, Even though he had the most success with the bad guy, couldn't happen to a nicer guy than Baker Mayfield. I feel like he would have fit perfectly with Greg Williams, just because of who Greg is. <laughs> and he would have fit perfectly with Sean Payton too. Hey, man. Well, it's funny how those guys were once together. What? All right, we're winners are off. winners. That's all that matters. We're getting too off the rails here on a Friday. We're going to get to some of your tweets. We'll get back into some of this coach conversation. We've got a conversation, too, about recent first-round picks who still have some uh, some proven to do out there. Look, question marks. Yeah, little question marks. We'll get into all of that in our number two. 60 minutes in the books, 60 to go. Come back with us inside the Electric Factory. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler. This is Steelers Blitz on SNR. Hewler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. Good afternoon, Steelers Nation. How we doing? Well, that's good. <laughs> Wesley Euler, Arthur Motes with you here. Hour number two, Steelers Blitz inside the electric factory on a Friday, having some fun. We're going to talk uh, some recent first round picks that still have question marks around their NFL careers, their contract statuses. Before we get to that, Arthur Motes, I've been meaning to uh, ask you about this for like two or three days here. I need your help. I need your advice with something. And I think the power grid can help us here, too. Okay. We're good. All right. Particularly our power grid, uh, our megawatts who own dogs. Okay? Because I know you, Arthur Motes, are a dog guy. You got two dogs at the Motes Manor, at the Motes Estate. <laughs> the Motes Estate. <laughs> Arthur Motes, I have had now in my neighborhood two separate families ask me not to walk my dog whoa, near their house. Whoa. Now. Before I proceed any further, I think it's important to note that my dog is 11, 12 pounds, okay? So when he pees or when he poops, I mean, it's like a tiny little quarter on the ground, okay? It's not like he's some big golden retriever lab where he's taking these big That's not the real breaks. question. 
the real question is, do you pick up after? Oh, um, absolutely. Don't, take, no, 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 see, I'm about to say don't. Every mi- time. I okay. take two bags with me just in case. Because in am, my neighborhood. I am courteous. In all my right? neighborhood, we got some some fake picker-uppers. They they, they lean oh. out for the fake pickup, and it's still, yeah. Nah, see, those people deserve to get speared yeah. by you when they're, when they're standing back up. Yeah. You hit them right across the chest. I'm just throwing it out there. We didn't, we didn't caught some people. Arthur Motes, when it comes to being a neighbor, I live by the golden rule. Mm-hmm. All right? I, I pick up after my dog. I'm not too loud. You know, I, I am I, I like to be neighborly. Okay. Mm-hmm. So in our neighborhood, there is a dog park and a walking trail down towards the cul-de-sac. Okay. okay? I have now had in the what's well, been almost two years exactly. In July, it'll be two years since Morgan and I moved back to Pittsburgh. I've had two neighbors on separate ends of the street say, please don't walk your dog through my yard for different reasons. Both, though, because they like to do yard work. They're out in the yard a lot. And it's not just me. You know, they're saying this to everybody. Like, please don't have your dog poop here. Please don't have your dog pee here. We're outside a lot. We don't want that. Now, mind you, they live on the corner of the street where you have to walk past to get to the dog park and to get to the walking trail. Interesting. I was, you know, I was very, hey, no problem. I'll do what I can. I'll have them use the bathroom over here before I walk them down here. But I ask you, Arthur Motes. Are these people tripping? You, they live on the corners of the street where you have to walk down the street to get to the dog park and to get to the walking trail. And like I said, you know, my dog's 11 pounds. He now, doesn't now, really use the bathroom very now much. Now, they say they don't want you walking through their yard? So, the like, the, the sidewalk, right? Yes. That has the grass on both sides. Correct. They've asked, please don't let your dog use the bathroom. In our, in our yard. Even, like, not necessarily in their yard, like the strip that's on the side by that's the sidewalk, That's not even theirs. Too. Okay. Yeah. That's it. Not that don't walk down here or anything. Just please don't let your dog use the bathroom down here. I personally feel they're tripping. If you're cleaning it up, I don't see an issue with it. Like, we have people that, I mean, their dogs use the bathroom, like you said, on the strip, the sidewalk part. Yes. Not the part that's, like, my front yard. Right. But the part that's right next to, like, the street itself, yes. where the curve would be at. Yes. They've used it over there. As long as they're cleaning it up, I don't have an issue. My issue is when people don't clean it up. Correct. And I catch them. Shout out to the ring app. I catch them all. Ooh. I got it on high sensitivity. So as you soon as you walk in, it's, it's recording. So you're not going to hit me with the, oh, no, I ain't do that. Nah, 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 player. We got you. As soon as you come around the corner, I got you. Because I don't want no funny business. I don't want the camera to, oh, I missed it at the end. He was already out of there. Nah, I'm going to see you walk up. I'm going to see you stop. I see you when the dog goes. I see you when you do the, the look around, the quick look like, is anyone looking? Yep. Oh, somebody's on the porch. Let me fake. You and then the walk on. Yeah, I've done. seen it all. Now, don't own a dog and take your dog for a walk if you're not willing to clean up after. Yeah, man, it's, it's nasty. But, yeah, if you're cleaning up, I mean, it's a little dog. I don't see an issue. I guess for them, man, unless they've been burnt before, where they've had multiple people come through with their dogs. Not clean up. Not clean up. That could be one thing where you just want to set the tone of. But isn't that also, too, like, don't buy the house that's near the dog park if you're yeah. that worried about it. Yeah. Or don't live in a community. Go live by yourself somewhere. Go get three, four, five acres you know of land what I mean? somewhere. Yeah. That, that's like saying, hey, I don't want your kids playing in front of my house. <laughs> you know it's the street right here, right? <laughs> like, what? What? <laughs> I just... Again, I'm neighborly. I always clean up after my dog. His you're a good dude, person, his, though, man. His poops are like the size of a quarter. Again, he weighs 11 pounds. All I'm saying is you're a good person, man, because you 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 actually are and concerned I was, I was, yeah, yeah, and no all problem, that. Uh, but you know what? You know I, where I, I, I would have went jerk move. You know where I get yeah. my vengeance, Arthur Motes. Uh-oh. It is kind of jerk move. Yeah. Both of these neighbors now, either when I've been walking past with my dog or when they've been on walks, yeah. 
They've commented on how good uh, it smells in our backyard mm. this last uh, you know five, six weeks since yeah. I've gotten the smoker. So you know how I get my revenge. Uh-oh. They walk past. They go, oh, it smells good. What are you cooking? I tell mm. them what I'm cooking. Yeah. And I don't offer them any. You better never. All right? You better not ever offer them other, any. All my other neighbors. Yeah. You know, Come on we, by. I, I've got a neighbor who's like across yeah. the backyard. You know, we like share backyards. Uh-huh. Him and I all the time. He brings me chicken wings. Yeah. I take him pulled pork. Absolutely. We're buddies. Absolutely. These two families, you ain't getting nothing. Mm. Can't have it. We could we could have the purge, all right? And you mm. could be knocking on my door, Wes. Let me mm. let me get some. Let Keep me get that some same of that energy. Ah, uh, no, sorry. You know what? I would, but yeah. I don't. I don't hand. I don't like to give out chicken on my yard because then people drop little pieces yeah. of the chicken in the grass. <laughs> Not to be salty or anything. <laughs> all right, I just needed to know that I wasn't like. Nah, you good, man. And I like it's I said, true. I took the high road. I did the yeah, no problem. I'll I'll take him down here to use the bathroom before we lo- walk back here. Bro, I'm not about to tell my dog where you not. Hey, hey, Mr. Doggy, don't go, don't go squat right here. And that's been the thing. What? He's like last two weeks, right? Now it takes longer <laughs> for my dog to use the bathroom yeah. because I'm taking him a different way we've never gone yeah, before. Man. And he, you know how dogs are; they're creatures of routine. Absolutely. <sighs> Freaking. Boom! Get off my yard, boo. Okay, boomer. I mean, that just to a T there. All right, Motsi, let's get into this list here. 20 recent uh, first-round draft picks who have question marks around their different types of question marks, some from performance, some from availability and injury. But let's get into some of these guys. Broncos, and as soon as I say that, my computer freezes here with the list. <laughs> Broncos left tackle Garrett Bowles, 20th overall pick in 2017. Uh, never missed a start. But he's got to, I think, if he wants to get that extension, he's got to keep Drew Locke upright and pretty this season. Yeah, absolutely, man. Drew Locke definitely has to stay upright and pretty and doing his little dance on the sideline after, you know, Jeezy comes on. <laughs> That's right. But I think, man, what they said right here, the biggest knock on uh, on Bowles, though, is 45 penalties in three seasons. That is a ton. It's a lot. That says something about your technique. But hopefully now with Munchak out there, he can start to clean that up because – But yeah. that's like a holding penalty like every other game, every three Dude, games. think about that. Like, yeah. that's a ton. And that's a drive – I mean, that's a drive killer. Oh, no question, man. You can't have 45 penalties. Like I said, we're just hoping it was a holding penalty. It could be false starts, could be personal fouls. True. It's a lot that it could be going on out there, man. So he definitely has to clean that up with this game. Saints defensive end Marcus Davenport. He's Ooh. benefited playing alongside Cam Jordan, who yeah. we ain't got no love for Cam Jordan around these parts. You don't, hey, talk, hey, about our, you don't talk about our boy Ben Roethlisberger like that. Uh, 14th overall pick in 2018. Uh, ten and a half sacks, 28 quarterback hits, two years in New Orleans. Motsi, he's got to put up, I think, in the postseason for the Saints this year. They traded two first-round picks for him. Yeah. And he's been invisible in the playoffs the last two years. You said the playoffs, 10 and a half yeah. sacks and 28 quarterback hits in two seasons, and I've traded two picks for you? Two first-round picks? That's yeah, not just issue. two picks, two first-round picks. That's a big issue. If I'm trading yeah. two first-round picks, I'm expecting 10 per season at minimum or at least an eight-piece in there somewhere. Like That's not acceptable at all, man. So before you even talk postseason, you got to show up in the regular season too, baby. Especially when you're playing on a stacked defense like the Saints play under. Right. It's not like he should be yeah. getting all kinds of double teams and all kinds of attention. And let's be real. You're playing with the Saints. Y'all have a lead in almost all of your games. <laughs> it's true. not like you were playing for the Steelers last year that's where you're true. either even or trailing. You're ahead in the dome, perfect conditions. What are you talking about? You got to do better than that. 100%. Tennessee Titans wide receiver Corey Davis, top five pick in 2017. He's failed to develop A.J. Brown taken over last year they already declined his option um still i guess one more year with tennessee 
Oh, Motsi. Corey Davis just seems like one of those wide receivers who really productive, you know, maybe like a John Ross, mm. really productive in college, just hasn't worked out for him at the next level. Yeah, I think for him, man, it's a little it's, – it's a couple more variables involved with his productivity. Obviously, he was dealing with Mariota. We saw with Mariota. the best quarterback player. Correct. And especially when it comes to passing, there was some, some – some, uh, was it some inefficiencies in his game and things like that, which ultimately Corey had to – uh, ultimately be a product of and everything like that. Now, Ryan Tannehill coming on definitely helped him out, but it would be surprising to see what he does in a full season with Tannehill. Now, A.J. Brown coming in and having the rookie season that he had, that didn't help Corey in terms of the optics. No, not at when all. When you're looking at one being a, a top five pick, and then you see where A.J. Brown was drafted. He was at. third or second or third, right? Uh, second, I, I think you're right. say. Second. Right before, I think, uh, D.K. Metcalf correct. was, correct? Yeah, uh, yeah second round pick. So when you see that element from an optic standpoint, it just looks so much worse because you're like, this is a top five pick. He should be, you know, light years ahead of a rookie, especially whereas right. A.J. Brown came in and took over and showed that he's the number one guy. But I'm hoping that Corey is more so just a product of Mariota in that style of offense. Because remember, their offense run they heavy. were running was run heavy. Mm -hmm. They were going to zone read you. They were doing a knockoff version of what the Ravens were doing. Yeah. Yep. Like that's that was the style of offense Derrick they Henry, were running. Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry yeah. left, Derrick Henry right, Derrick Henry up yeah, absolutely. the middle. Absolutely. <laughs> so now with Tannehill, you're hoping that Corey can increase his numbers in that regard, though. Last one here before we get to break. Eagles left tackle Andre Dillard. Um, last season, I guess, was kind of a red shirt for him. Four starts in the absence of Jason Peters. I think he's another one of the like different from a, you know a Corey Davis or a, or a Davenport. We just need to see this guy more. Yeah, but you know, I think this is going to be big if they do decide to go for without bringing in Jason Peters, without bringing Jason Peters back, because that's going to make Andre the guy. It's going to mm -hmm. force you to get those drafts that we're talking about, seeing him more, which could be risky business in an offseason like this year. Yeah, he hasn't had those reps. Absolutely, man. It's all good on paper until you get them live bullets flying at you, baby. Yeah. So that's my only concern with that. But overall, man, at worst. He misses a block. Carson Wentz gets hurt again. Nothing new. So, with that being <laughs> oh, said, man, it's all good. You can't go wrong. There you go. Now, who's playing for Dak? It'd be different. I knew you I knew you had to get that Carson Wentz <laughs> jab in there somewhere. Yeah, Jason Peters, I think a lot like a, like a Mark Barron situation, yeah. maybe. Right? Like, wouldn't be too surprised yeah. to see that guy back where he was last year once we get closer I'm to the I'm surprised training. you called him Jason and not Marcus. Oh. You know? Or, I don't know, are there any yeah. other Peters out there that I could I mess up his first name with? Jason Peters, Marcus Peters. Yeah, that'll be that'll be interesting to see what they decide to do there with their left tackle, especially like you said, given the gamble of the the lack of a traditional offseason mm -hmm. for for young Andre Dillard. Let's take a break here, Motsi. We'll get to the list the rest, pardon me, names on this list. We got a Pittsburgh Steeler on this list, Motsi. What? We got some Cleveland Browns on this list. I think you said Browns plural. 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 Some Bengals. Some big-name quarterbacks. Girl. We'll get into all of those guys on the other side. Keep the tweets coming. At Wesley Euler at the body 52. The body. Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR.
Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler out here acting crazy on a Friday, having some fun. Hope you're enjoying the show so far. Around the corner, we'll get to your tweets. You know, we also got to get that paper on a Friday. Paper. But Arthur Motes, before we get there, we got to finish this list of recent draft picks with question marks, recent first round draft picks with question marks around their future. Number five on this list is one Alvin Bud Dupree of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Unreal. 22nd pick in 2015. Career high 11 and a half sacks last year, nearly double his previous personal best. Franchise tag that man stands to make. Ooh, nice chunk of change, close to 16 million big ones this year. Alex Highsmith brought in third round pick, not a, a crazy high guy, but one of the Steelers' first selections. He had 15 sacks last year at Charlotte. And I guess there's some correlation with Alex Highsmith and, and guys like Ola Adaini and Tuzar Skipper with what could happen to Bud Dupree. But I'll tell you this much, Motsi, right? Uh, follow it, uh, uh, unless, right? What's the... Uh, excluding a potential falling off the cliff this year of Bud Dupree, right? Like, right. for some reason, he goes out there and only has four or five sacks this year. Man's going to get paid sooner rather than later. Oh, without a doubt. For me, like I said, I could definitely see why they would put him up there, but it's less about the he's, Yeah, he's different. It's just his contract situation. Well, he's but, not but unproven again, like a lot of these guys. Then again, it's all perspective. True. Outside of Pittsburgh, or even it's a faction in Pittsburgh, they True. would say, hey, one-hit wonder. Or is he more of the first three years, or is he what he was last year? Sure. So that is still... Was he just so good because they were dangling that carrot Correct. of contract in front well, of him? Excuse me, the first four years. Not even the first three, the first right. four years. Right. So those are big concerns, big question marks. So that's why they would say that. For me personally, them bringing in Alex Smith, I mean Alex Highsmith, excuse me, I don't necessarily view that as the quote-unquote hot seat for Bud, though. Just because it's a difference. Like, if he was a first or second rounder, sure, okay. With that type of draft capital that you invest in him, you expect, all right, this is going to be the guy. He's just waiting in the wings. But with the third rounder, that's kind of like that middle part where, all right, he could potentially grow into that, but he's probably going to be more of a project early Javon on. Hargrave. Correct. Correct. Whereas with Tua, when Tua was drafted, it was clear, like, oh, that's going to be the guy. And he was in the first round, it's like, okay, it's clear. That's going to be the guy. So I think with the Alex Highsmith, that's kind of the thought process with that. But like you said, man, a large, a large portion of this Bud Dupree element being on this list is the contract stuff, man. Yeah. Unlike some of the other guys that we talked about, the yeah. Andre Dillards, the Marcus Davenports. How about Leonard Fournette? Number four pick overall just three years ago. Quietly, Motsi. Last year, he had a career best 1,152 rushing yards. And he had a career-high 76 catches, the biggest knock on him, right, that he's not a threat outside of the backfield. That's 76 catches last year. Is he going to get a long-term contract from Jacksonville? I hope not. He don't want to be in Jacksonville long-term. <laughs> None of them guys do. You hear how the organization is run, man. You see how all the guys down there are always having issues with the organization, with the coaching staff, and they ultimately want to get out of there. From Jalen Ramsey to A.J. Bouye to Leonard Fournette to uh, – what's the young pass rusher's name down there? Uh uh, oh, my goodness. I'm about to butcher his name. Ngakwe. Ngakwe. Yeah, yeah, Yannick Ngakwe. Ngakwe. Yes. Yep. So you see multiple times when numerous people have issues with the organization. Mm -hmm. So for Leonard, 
when they talk about some of his attitude issues and things like that, I think that's a direct result of the situation he's in. Because he's not the only one. Right. When, when you take them guys out of that, you don't hear anything negative about Jalen Ramsey and his situation. He's been real quiet Absolutely. ever since he got to L.A. I mean, I know A.J. Bouye just got out there to Denver, but we still haven't heard anything crazy like that from them. I mean, dude, Paul Puzlesny was kind of like that when yeah. he was in Jacksonville. Yes. <laughs> And, and Paz is an awesome dude. Yeah. I spent some time with him in Buffalo. I mean, anybody that knows Paz knows he's not that type of guy. But that's just the way they run it down there, man. So I think him in a fresh situation is probably going to be the best thing for him. So he's probably mad he's not number one on his list. Now, granted, it's alphabetical order, but still. <laughs> <laughs> but he's still upset. Yeah. Uh, Will Fuller, Houston Texans, wide receiver. Mm. Hey, DeAndre Hopkins gone. You're entering the final year of your rookie contract. Time to put up or shut up for Will Fuller? Well, that's the thing. I think Will has already proven to be a good player. Yo, he's going to play on Sunday. Yeah, he's going to have to prove now that he wasn't a product of DeAndre, though. Right. That's the game changer. Because now we're talking the difference between, you know, some cool money and some outrageous money. If he can prove that he's a bona fide number one, and he can prove that he can have a rapport with Deshaun Watson, well, they'll reward him with the contract that he just needs. But if he goes out there and has a down year, he goes out there and doesn't look up the par, just has a good year, not a great year, then, yeah, they're going to they, they're gonna go shopping, in the words of Coach Tomlin. What about quarterback, new head coach, entering his second year, Dwayne Haskins? Oh, man, you just skipped over my man? Oh, I did skip over. Yeah, I was like, what, what's going on here? <laughs> I'm not good at this reading thing, Motes. You want to talk about Nikhil Harry? Is that your mans? I mean, he ain't my mans. What's I he going to do with Jared Stidham throwing him the ball? Well, I thought you said hot take Cam Newton going there. Maybe. Or Kaepernick. Maybe. Never know. I'd feel a lot better than about Jared Stidham. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, what, what's what's that going to look like? Hey, next to Julian Edelman? Or... But, but what is Nikhil Harry, though? That That's that's the thing, man, because last year we saw him. I mean, obviously he was injured the beginning part of the season, but then when he was getting out there and having a, a, large, a larger sample size, he never really showed up consistently. Right. You know, he just looked like a young player trying to learn his way. Reminded me a lot of James Washington his first year. Mm. You see some of the flashes, but at the same time, just not as polished as they need to be right now. Just not as NFL ready as you would have have liked them to be based off where they were drafted at. I concur. All right, now what about that guy, Dwayne Haskins? Ron Rivera coming to town, baby. Cam Newton couldn't end up there, could he? Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. This type of offseason, never know. I think you and I both have faith that Dwayne Haskins, under the right tutelage, can can become a franchise-type quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, but this is the problem. I'm not saying top five, but... Yeah, but this, this is the problem with him right now, man. Obviously, the, the previous regime didn't really want him. And now you have him with Ron Rivera, who's a great coach, but at the same time, he's not having a chance to work with him. So he's behind the eight ball. So behind the eight ball and already viewed as is he good or is he a bust that's some of the dilemma with him and then because of the guy you're comparing him to in his class with Daniel Jones you see the type of success that Daniel had last year it really puts a lot more pressure on Dwayne Haskins to perform this year but like I said I feel like he's already at a competitive disadvantage solely based on this offseason because it's not the same for a guy like Daniel Jones who's already been into that system with the same OC already has a year under his belt already been the guy Dwayne's going to have to learn a whole new offense, prove it to a whole new set of coaches, and ultimately beat out guys like a Cal Allen who's already been in this system before. So, for me, that's the only the only concern I have with Dwayne. 
my guy, my dog, Western Uh-oh. Pennsylvania's Uh-oh. very own. Uh-oh. I called some of his high school football games. Okay, okay. I called some of his high school basketball okay, games. Okay, okay. And, man, if he could just stay healthy, that's the question mark. He is a beast. Malik Hooker, Arthur Motes. Fifth-year oh, yeah. option turned down by the Colts. And, again, like I said, he's, he's missed 14 games in three seasons. That's the issue. When he's on the field, he's good. He's productive. He's just got to stay healthy. Yeah, without a doubt. That's the only reason they turned their uh, the option down, man. Health is a big requirement at this level. And, I mean, you hate to see it, but this is kind of like what we saw in the past with another Colt safety who was a beast. Bob, Bob Sanders. Sanders. Oh, Absolutely, man. Loved Bob Sanders. Was a phenomenal player, but just couldn't stay healthy. So, I think ultimately that's why he's in the situation, the predicament that he's in right now. I agree. How about O.J. Howard? Big year for him to prove it with Tom Brady coming to town, but he's also going to have to s- split snaps with Gronk? Yeah, I think this is a good thing, though, for O.J., because now he's going to have a lot less attention on him. Hmm. When you talk about being out there with a Gronk. You can be the Aaron Hernandez, maybe. Absolutely. Minus the, you know, the off-the-field oh, discretion. Out, man. <laughs> but Gronk, he's going to draw a lot of attention if he's healthy, if he's back and he's good to go. He's going to draw a lot of attention. And you already know the weapons that they have outside with Chris Godwin and um, and Mike Evans. So with that being said, I think OJ is going to be uh, – I think he's going to benefit the most probably on this list. How about Hayden Hurst? Austin Hooper is gone. Matt Ryan predicting big things for Hayden Hurst. What say you, Arthur Most? This is going to be unique because he's going to actually walk into better quarterback play from a passing standpoint. Hmm. But the system isn't going to feature him the way it did in Baltimore, if that makes sense. Because, you know, in Baltimore, they're tight end heavy. Everything they do, they want to feature those guys in the passing game because they're, I mean, the short to intermediate passes are very safe, very timing, consistent, and things like that that work to Lamar's strengths. Whereas with Matt Ryan, he's going to have, you know, Hayden running the full route tree and, and doing a more traditional style offense and things along that nature. But I think his numbers won't be the same just because he's not going to get the same amount of targets. He's not going to get the same amount of just feature plays for him. Right. Oh, number 13, your boy. Oh, cut it out. Baker Mayfield. New coach. Maybe a uh, a well-compensated backup to light, hold his feet to the fire. Light his feet on fire, whatever analogy I was going with there. Case Keenum <laughs> in Cleveland now as well, too. Motes, what do you expect from Baker Mayfield? A lot of unknown. You want to talk about the yeah, unknown? This I mean, is, this, this, is, rough one. this is the unknown right Because he's a wild card, man. He, he could be really good or he could be really bad. We've seen how polar he is. But I think he's at the disadvantage because of this offseason, man. Stavansky is new for him. I feel like anybody who's walking into a new situation, new coaching staff, new players, it's a tough year to have that happen. This is a bad time for them. And for Baker, you talk about pressure, they will blow that operation up if he has another down year. Yes. Without a doubt, they will. So I think he has the most pressure out of anybody we don't talked about on this list, man, honestly. I'm with you. Number one overall pick. Yeah. for right or wrong, a lot of it, he the attention he brought on himself when he was at Oklahoma, mm-hmm. when he was a rookie with the Browns, all the commercials. Yeah. Long may they suffer in Cleveland, mm-hmm. the quarterback included. I not that, no I'm, not that I'm still salty about all those years that he whooped up on my Mountaineers or anything. <sighs> Raiders left tackle, the Las Vegas Raiders. Colton Miller, Motsi. This is a guy that a lot of people really liked coming out of college, but he's got the frame, but he just hasn't been as good on field as – as people think he should be. Yeah, I think consistency consistency is going to be his biggest thing. Um, out in Oakland, though, I'm trying to think. Did, I don't. Yeah, he didn't. Even, he never got a year with Trent Brown out there. 
Kyle's was going to say that probably could have helped him in a little bit with his development, but that's ultimately who they wanted him to be. They wanted him to replace him, another big body, big frame guy like that. And, yeah, like you said, he's been very inconsistent in his game, so that's going to be the biggest part for him going forward. And let's be real, that division, he has some dogs to block. He has some dogs he got to mm-hmm. block against, man. So that definitely isn't helping him out at all. But if he could just become more consistent, and a lot of that with young tackles is technique-based, man. For sure. Always technique. You turn He's got to spend some guys. time in the lab with Tunch. Yeah, absolutely, man. <laughs> Tunch, you get him right, man. Uh, another young tight end here, another tight end who his team just brought in a tight end in free agency, David Njoku of the Browns. Now, Njoku, he's another guy. I thought he was going to be a beast coming we, out of college. We all did, and he flashes. But health is the biggest name, man. Health is going to be big with him. Now, I do think if Baker can play like Baker played in year one, Njoku can thrive. Njoku, can, he create mismatches. The attention is going to be on Jarvis, on Odell. So it on definitely, Hooper. Yeah, so, so it definitely benefits him. You're right, the addition of Hooper definitely benefits him a lot. And you have to assume that the revamped offensive line out there is going to give Baker a lot more time to go through his reads and hit some of these guys. So for Njoku, I definitely think that he can produce this year. But he's definitely on the hot seat, though. If he, if he doesn't ball out, man, they, they're they going to make another move. <laughs> Same division. Another guy who's got a ball out, John Ross. Hey, Mozi, oh, top man. 10 pick. Lit the combine on fire with that 4.22 40-yard He was dash. a part of Snoop Dogg's crew, man. Yep. Yeah. Um, but he's only played in 50% of the games since he entered the league due to injury. You don't know Ferraris. You can't drive him every day now. And, and T. Higgins is now in the fold as well, too. Yeah, you're absolutely right, man. A blazer. But just haven't lived up to it, man. Health has been a big issue yeah, with him. A lot of people thought he could be the next to Sean Jackson, but yeah. it just hasn't happened. And honestly, I don't see it happening, man. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm, I'm with you, too. Yeah, I think that ship has sailed. I think for him, he, he's – I mean, health is the big thing, and it's hard to predict health. But even when healthy, he still hasn't shown enough to me to say, oh, yeah, this guy can really do this over a full season. Yeah. Or even like a Deshaun Jackson where he doesn't play a full 16, but he's still crazy productive for 12 of them, 10 of them. Like, right. He just doesn't have that he, right now. Even healthy, he might be the fourth best wide receiver on that roster. Right. Like, And that's bad. That's bad. I liked this guy a lot coming out of Stanford. I like him as a person, too, because I think the things that he does off the field are amazing in terms of uh, suicide prevention and awareness. But for the third overall pick in 2017, he has underperformed on a defensive line that's been amazing. Solomon Thomas. Yeah, now, this is the issue with him, and this last year in particular, they were so stacked on that defensive line that it's hard to knock him for the lack of productivity when just across the board. We talked about how they didn't have one individual. Now, obviously, Bosa ended up emerging to that, but it was hard for just one guy to dominate from a statistical standpoint because all across the border or on that D-line, they had extremely productive players. Now, he's going to get a bigger opportunity, especially with uh, DeForest Bunker being traded away. Yep. So that's going to help him out. But ultimately, man, he, he definitely has to be a lot more productive just because he was a third overall pick. And that's what, too, remember I, I – When you I go said, top five, it changes everything. I said this before the draft, too, right? It's not the draft picks that you miss on that hurt you. It's the ones you don't take. And I use this mm-hmm. as an example, right? I said, we talk about the Niners having the best defensive line in football. Solomon Thomas was a miss at third overall. They're, every GM has misses, but it's it's passing on the right guy as opposed to the miss that really kills you. Mm-hmm. It's testament to the Niners how good of a roster they've built, right, that a third 
overall pick could not be contributing much on that D line, and they're still looked at as the best in the league. Without a doubt. Whew. Last quarterback on the list here, Motsi, Mitch Trubisky. He's going to – poor guy because he didn't do this, okay? He didn't make the Bears take him third overall, but he's going to have to wear forever that he was the guy that was drafted ahead of Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. You know me. <laughs> I'm not a Mitch guy. No. And now Nick, your boy Nick yeah, Foles is there. I, I fully expect Nick to be the guy out there, man. Yeah, me too. It's over for Mitch. How about you and I didn't – I mean, we, I get why this guy's on the list kind of, but I don't think it's fair. Bengals left tackle Jonah Williams – Eleventh uh, overall pick last year, but then had to have shoulder shoulder surgery, and so essentially had like a red shirt medical red shirt season this year. I, I get that he's a first he's a first round pick, eleventh overall. Yeah, he's got to prove it, but he hasn't taken a snap yet. Mozi, let's give this guy a chance at least. Yeah, but <laughs> but you got to protect Joe Burrow. <laughs> you you got to protect him. That's that's the biggest thing, and I don't want to hear because so we're giving him a pass right now and saying, well, hey man, he was hurt last year. We didn't get a chance to see him. Now, if he comes out and plays bad this year, I don't want to hear. Well, yeah. well he didn't have the offseason. Right. He missed the year before, so it was like a rookie all over again. That play, like I don't want to hear none of that. Time to put up. Yeah, you got your glorified red shirt year. Now it's time to go out there and be the eleventh overall pick. It's La- that simple. Last one here: New York Giants. Leonard Williams traded Leonard from New- traded from New York to New York or New Jersey to New Jersey, depending yeah. on how you look at it. Six Did overall he have to move by the or Jets. Kept the same spot. Think he kept the same crib. Probably. Probably got the same crib. I mean, just had to repaint some of the green to blue, oh, which blue right. is a better color than green anyways. I agree, unless it's money. <laughs> uh, 17 and a half career sacks, Arthur Motes. Uh, good player, but maybe just not great player. Yeah, but the problem is you can't be a good <laughs> six player overall. six overall. When you go that early, regardless if you wanted to go that early or not, you have to produce at a level – that is at least respectable or comparable mm-hmm. to that pick. And he hasn't done that, man. And honestly, we thought he was going to be a beast coming out, man. I mean, dude, he, he looked the part, had the pedigree. He really did. But he just has fizzled, man. So it will be interesting to see him with the New York Giants, though, see how he operates on their D-line. It took, I thought they got better as a team last year. I agree. So that should be able to help him out a lot going into this season, whereas with the Jets – they weren't the most productive offense. They weren't the most productive team when he was there. So I think that definitely played a role in it as well. I'm with you. I'm with you. We're going to take our last break here, last chance to get those tweets in or forever hold your peace until Monday. We'll wrap with your reaction on Twitter as well as a little get that paper before we get out of here. So stick with us. One more segment to go inside the Electric Factory. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler on SNR. Twitter.com we go for reaction and let's get right into it Motsi because we got a bunch here today we got to get to we also got to get that paper Gregory asks I need to know best and worst fan base in sports who do you love who do you hate best and worst fan base oh man that's tough so I think we should obviously we should take Pittsburgh fan bases out of the equation yes um, Can I take Buffalo all two in for me because it's personal? You know, it's funny. I was thinking about the Bills. I know. Bills, I, I, too. I, I, that's where I'm at. Uh, you know what? 
I'm going to eat. <laughs> you can have them in. I'm going to take them out because I feel like it's biased either way. Uh, dude, yeah. I'm going to say honestly, and maybe it's just because I spend a lot of time around moats and they're yeah. three and a half, four hours north of us, not that far away. But I'm going to say the Bills and the Sabres. Oh, yeah, both, yeah, of those, both of those fan bases are dedicated but as let's any be real, other. But it's, they've the had, sa- it's the same fan base, bro. I know. I know. Yeah. They've had no success, but they're still dedicated as yeah. can be. Who yeah. do I love? You know which fan base I love. The Manchester United supporters, baby. Hey, so have they s- been, man? So I can sing my songs? How have they been? Because, I, you know, I'm just a kid from Liverpool that, just, you know, I wasn't supposed to be here today. But I made it. Yeah. You know how Manchester United's doing? They're playing in the FA Cup tomorrow. Oh, okay. Liverpool's already eliminated. Oh, what oh, happened? Oh, oh, so you want to know what that one? What happened? Oh, oh you want to know what that What happened? Uh, Arthur Motes, worst fan base in sports. Who do you hate? Well, wait a minute. I ain't getting my best because, oh, like I true. said, yeah, that's you, true. you, you said that's Buffalo. True. I'm taking. Now, see, you just trying to get me. Fired. I'm taking Steelers and Bills out of it. Okay. Okay. Right. I'm going old school Oakland Raiders black hole. Oh, that's a good one. I want to go somewhere they might really beat you up. That's a good one. Like you might die. <laughs> Who do you hate, Arthur Motes, fan bases in sports? Well, how much time do you have? Oh, For this man. one, I'll give you a second to think. There's two fan bases in sports that I hate. Number one, the Philadelphia Flyers. Ooh. Now, this second one's tough. I'm going to make a lot of people angry here. But the fans of that university located in the Oakland district of Pittsburgh, Ooh, Pennsylvania. No further questions. Hell to pit. Shady. Um, for me, man, I probably would say, yeah, I'm probably going to go Ravens. Yeah. And, no, no, Bengals. I can't stand Bengals fans, bro. Oh, that's a good one. I can't stand that's a really Bengals good one. fans, bro. They, especially, especially, because I always think back to that playoff game where they went to go all crazy, throwing, throwing stuff. beers, throwing, man, yeah. to this day, I want to go into a crowd in, in Cincinnati and just have fun. I just want to go there. And when I mean have fun, I'm talking a different type You're of fun the for Ron, me. Ron Artest type yeah, fun, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. A lot of fun for me. <laughs> Not going to be much fun to people around me. Like, <laughs> yeah, our yeah, resident, that, oh, man. Our, that's a good question. Gregory's always asking the good questions. Our resident, uh, our resident Steelers historian here, TC, says, I got Noel number one, no question. I think Cower has to be two. Uh, team had a losing record the year before he got there. And immediately rebuilt coach teams quarterbacked by Neil and Cordell to four AFC championship games in a Super Bowl. Three seasons with Ben, he went to two AFC championship games and won a Super Bowl. He coached Neil and Cordell to more AFC championship games than Tomlin has coached Ben to. Nah, that's TC's verdict on it. Uh, uh, hey, that's some. You talked about those AFC championship mm-hmm. games too. And when we're splitting hairs, you got to split hairs, right? Thrash. Even though, even though Cowan never had to deal with a Brady and Belichick, though. That's true. Never had to deal with that monster. Ooh. That's different. Thrash points out here, his favorite thing is when Arthur says, Wes, you're so wrong, and here's why. <laughs> <laughs> and here's why. I'm going to tell you real quick. I got to educate you on something real quick. Now, Jason, this is an interesting question. Am I wrong for thinking that Tomlin and Cowan might not either have a ring without Dick LeBeau? No, no, I think you're absolutely right. Oh. You're absolutely right. That's when we talk best non-head coach in Pittsburgh Steelers history. I mean, that's the Joey Porter. (laughs) Oh, all right, all right. We're going corners. All right, all right. We're going corners. You're right. Dick LeBeau. Dick LeBeau. Aaron says, I'm going to give Tomlin the edge at number two. All the talent that he's brought in, never had a losing season, and the fact that he's had to deal with egos in this era, like Antonio Brown in the locker room and still won. 
And to your point, Tomlin has had to go against Brady and Belichick. All yeah. great points there that, by that's Aaron. That's like playing in the, a, uh, in the SEC and you get Nick Saban and Bama over there. Like, I don't care how good you are. That's different. <laughs> you could be LSU, but you're still not Bama. Exactly. <laughs> Joe Burrow was hot. They had him one year. That's cool. It's now, not Bama, though. Now, TC adds here, 1995 Steelers Super Bowl run. Only five of the 22 starters were Chuck Noll guys. Hmm. Interesting. Cool. Interesting. He uh, says, I'm not saying either one with other players, just pointing out the 1995 Super Bowl, Knowles players was probably lower. The, the number of Knowles players on that team was probably lower than most think. Third Coast Steeler, our buddy from Texas, says, I have Cower and Tomlin stacked up evenly, but Tomlin gets the edge. Uh, no under 500 teams. Cower routinely lost to expansion teams. His teams often started slow and lost some AFC championship games when they were heavy favorites. Mm. I wonder, yeah, because how many interesting to see how people kind of, you know, where they put their priorities. You're right, because I wonder, like, out of the three AFC Championship games that Tomlin has coached in, how many was he favorites? Because I know we weren't favorites when we lost in in 15. I mean, excuse me, in 16 we weren't favorites. Patriots were. Interesting. The year where they went wild card and won it all, they weren't favorites. Against the Jets in 2010, I know the Steelers were favorites. Okay. Slight, but they were, I think, three-and-a-half point favorites. So maybe only one out of the three? Yeah. Interesting. Good. Good. Look at you, Mochi. That's an astute observation there. And TC has a question for you. Um, ask Mochi if you're giving credit to Tomlin for Ben and Troy. Do we also have to get credit to Cower for Dramani Dawson and Rod Woodson because they made more Pro Bowls and All Pros under Cower than no, they I think did so. Chuck? No. Yeah, I definitely think so. I think that's fair by TC too. But we already said that Troy is the best defensive back in Steelers history. So, Ooh, baby. <laughs> So what does that say about Rod? <laughs> Prime was better. Hi, young. <laughs> oh, here, here he goes. Remember, direct all angry tweets at the body 52. Uh, because I'm Team Rod, baby. Thrash says, not going to lie, when I was still living with my parents, I chased someone down with a doggy bag because their dog left a big one right next to the Ooh. mailbox. And they didn't even attempt to fake and pick it up. Yeah, at least at least give me the, the you going to lie to me a little bit and fake like you're going to do it. That, that <laughs> Gosh. Oh, man. All right, Arthur Motz. It wouldn't be a Friday before we get out of here, right? What do we have to do? We got to get the paper. Ain't it right? I think so. Gets that paper? We got to show them the money? Uh-oh. Show me the money. Show me the money! <laughs> <laughs> The best theme music in the business. You gotta love it. All right, Arthur Mouts. You know where I'm going here. All that we got to talk about. The Mighty Red. <laughs> but before we get to some of these soccer games, I do have a stateside one for you. Oh, right? okay, okay. We have odds out now with the return of baseball here yes. coming, uh, you know, officially announced for July. Arthur Mouts. Here we go, Astros. Odds, here we go. Odds for which Astros player will be the first one to be hit by a pitch. <laughs> Jeez. Is this for real? This is for real. Wow. Alec Bregman, plus 350. Carlos Correa, plus 400. Altuve, plus 400. Definitely Altuve. Uh, that's the winner, right? <laughs> definitely right? Altuve. That's, that's. <laughs> he doesn't stand a chance. That's the winner right there. <laughs> yep, me too. Jose Altuve, plus 400. He'll get beamed his first time Without off the bat. Doubt. That's. I mean, dude, that ten bucks on that wins you forty dollars back. I'm putting money that's down a, on that now. That's a no-brainer right there. Without a pinged. That's a no-brainer right there. All right, Arthur Motes, we got four FA Cup games in England this weekend. We'll start with the most obvious: Manchester City against Newcastle United. 
Uh, Newcastle United, new owners, a lot of turnover. Manchester City, they're one of the best teams in Europe. That's an easy away victory. You can get Man City at minus 300, which isn't that bad, honestly. They will roll. Leicester versus Chelsea. Now, this is the game to watch. 11 a.m. tomorrow, Leicester City against Chelsea. I'm going to go with the underdogs, Motsi. Give me Leicester plus 200. Chelsea with a huge win yesterday. That's a quick turnaround to come off that emotional victory yesterday. Give me Leicester plus 200. Sheffield United against Arsenal. Arsenal. Arthur Motes, if you know anything about me when we talk college football on this show, there's one thing that I really like. What is that? Home dogs, home dogs. Home dogs. We talking about home dogs. Sheffield United plus 210. Arsenal has been playing terrible. Their back line. You know how Arthur Motes, I call the Steelers defense the steel curtain. Mm-hmm. Arsenal's defense is the tissue paper curtain. Ooh. I mean, you could cut right through that back line. Give me Sheffield United with the upset at plus 210. And then you already know, 1230 tomorrow, your boys locked in to them Red Devils on the road in Norwich. Minus 200 slight favorites. Give me the Red Devils. So again, real quick, Man City minus 300, Leicester plus 200, Sheffield United plus 210, and Manchester United. The greatest football club in all the world. Minus 200. We've also got Jose Altuve to be hit by a pitch. First Astro to be hit by a pitch. Definitely happening. At plus 400. Motsi, that'll do it for the show today. It's been a good week. Absolutely. Big shout out to uh, to the Power Grid, to the Megawatts, the Electric Factory. Motsi, thus concludes our settling this once and for all campaign here on the you program. You do it like that sometimes. It was you know? fun. It was a fun two weeks. What do you say on Monday? We power rank the best rosters as they stand right now in the National Football League. Now you are talking my language. That's what we'll do on Monday. So you know when to find us. As always, high noon. And we're always in the same place. Come on, baby. On your 24-7 home of the black and gold. Steelers Nation Radio.